put that at the beginning of the pod. Put at the beginning of the pod. Excuse me. We're recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Canside Chats. Canside Chats is a weekly podcast where we talk about everything going on with Arsenal Football Club. If you haven't already, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Gunnergang underscore. Today, I am joined by Beckett at AFC Bex and Q at Gunner13 to take a deeper look at Arsenal's first win of the season versus Norwich. So, Beckett, how are we feeling today, man? Feeling great. We got a goal. We got a dub. Spurs lost. And all those plastic fans that didn't want us to win against Norwich were silenced with that dub, hopefully. Yeah. So I'm doing great. Great. Great to hear from you. How are you, Q? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, yeah, excited for the Premier League to be back after the international break. That doesn't quite do it for me, being from America, where I have to watch that horrendous team play three or four times. So, yeah, excited to be back. Glad we did find the square goal. I went crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, a crazy goal at that. Um, a little pinball around in the box, but we'll get to that uh, in a minute. What do you guys make of the starting lineup? Uh, yeah, I was. It's basically the starting lineup that I envisioned us going with. Um, I didn't know if Tommy obviously was going to play. He only had like a, one or two training sessions. And then Party coming back from injury, didn't know he was going to make it in but it was nice to see Tommy Yasu get in the back four that we think is going to be the back four going forward Maitland Niles and Sammy in the midfield I, I thought that was interesting um thought it was head potential at the start of the game and then we'll we'll get into it a little bit more but I think that that pair worked out pretty well and then uh about the front four I expected, probably we'll see a lot of that front four. The only change really is maybe ESR and Pepe switch or ESR comes in somewhere else. But yeah. Yeah, Q, what about you for the lineup? Yeah, uh, no complaints there. I was hoping Thomas would be back and be ready to slot in, but I thought Anselm and Niles did very fine job in there. Definitely an improvement from Jaka, which I'll show you we'll get into, but yeah, no real complaints. I thought that I was, I mean, I was excited when I saw the, the lineup to see how we played. I was excited for the Tommy Asso debut um, and to see Maitland Niles playing his supposed preferred position. But I'm not sure really what's going on there anymore. But yeah, no complaints. Yeah, no. So Maitland Niles and then in game, I think he was moved to right back right before he got subbed off. So it was kind of cool to see him be versatile all in one game like that. And I definitely thought he was a better option in midfield than El Mini. Um, and opposed to that. So it just makes me wonder like where he's, where's that been at um, this whole time, but it was good. It was good to see Tomiyasu get in there as well. Um, I think he only played like 62 minutes, but he was all over the place. So I was excited with the lineup as well. Um, but let's get into some ratings. What would you guys? Well, I guess we can start at the back. How did how did you guys make of uh, Leno's performance? Or uh, zero out of ten. <laughs> Ram, Ramsdale's performance. Oh uh, yeah, I thought he was tidy. I mean, didn't have much to trouble him, but 
I was really impressed with how confident he was on his feet. He had that nice little shimmy on Timo Pukki and then played an absolute dime a second later to Pepe, which Pepe mishandled. But, yeah, I don't know. I was I really liked his – he was positive. He had good body language, you know, showing some some fight, some some intensity. I thought he, I thought he played fine. And I read that uh, Arteta was very pleased as well and that he is going to go with whoever can give him performances. So, I'm sure after keeping a clean sheet, we'll hopefully see him back in for Burnley whenever they come come around next week. Yeah, definitely. I thought that shimmy there that you mentioned was a little little too close to comfort, but I mean it worked out, so we can't we can't hate him for that. But what about you, Beckett? Yeah, you love to see that confidence. I love it when a goalie does that. Um, I think only when it comes off. Yeah, (laughs) he he. I think he impressed a little more for me with his feet than some of the things you had heard about his distribution and stuff. And sometimes Leno can seem hesitant or not really sure what he's doing with his feet. Um, What I really liked about Ramsdale was his decisiveness. I mean, you can, even if sometimes you get that decision wrong, when you make a decision and you commit to it, you're already in so much a better position, even mentally than if you have to like, second guess what you want to how you want to react to a play so i thought his decisiveness was good and yeah that should bode well for aerial crosses i think he'll be better out of the air than leno so it'll be interesting how they play it going forward but yeah i liked it so rating i give him i mean it's hard to say when you're not tested i'd say 7.5 8 7. eight 7. since it's a debut sure right. eight. we'll give him eight that's fine yeah i think that's a fair rating i was like to see I'm hoping to see more of him in that but uh moving on here what do we think of Tomiyasu on the debut what about you Beckett oh yeah um yeah you can see immediately why we bought him um he'll give us he'll give us a little more structure to that right side a lot of people have been questioning his ability to get forward um that questioning is most of the time people haven't even seen him play but not only did he get forward in games like this, um, I think he'll be able to get forward more when we play lower end opposition. But he tucked in, he overlapped, he got into the box a few times, had a nice little volley, and uh, he won a lot of head balls. Yeah, I think it said he had seven aerial duels, which is quite a bit in 62 love minutes. That. So, I love that. Yeah, you can't complain about that. Q, got anything else to add? Yeah, Beckett, is there any lower opposition than Norwich? I'm just curious. <laughs> Listen, okay, so hold on. Let me let me let me say this. I don't care if honestly if the opposition was that bad. Um we all understand that Norwich is probably the lowest. Um the lowest would probably be the EFL Cup games we play in. But this isn't the best quality that we're playing against, but Arsenal should be able to beat these teams. So, and especially the way they played, they haven't shown ability to play that way against really anyone. Um, maybe that EFL Cup game, but I will take the wins wherever I can get them, even if it's against qual- that quality op- opposition. I thought, I thought they looked well. Yeah, I think Tomiyasu played well as well. You hate to see only sixty-two minutes, but. That's that's all right in a debut after coming back from international break. You have a day and a half of training, and you actually make a difference in those 62 minutes. It'd be different if he was out there hiding, not getting on the ball, but he was winning. He created a great chance off that cross where he almost 
buried a flying volley, put off balance, almost put it in the top end. So, yeah, I was I was impressed. I think probably probably a seven just because it's only sixty minutes and but it's a debut and he plays his part to clean sheet. So I'll take that. Take that. Yeah, definitely. I think he showed a lot of good energy and he had five recoveries as well. So he showed some pace to get back and, um, yeah, just get back and recover. So that was good. Um, Beckett, did you agree with the rating from Q or would you change anything? Yeah, that's, that's probably fair. Um, could also give him an eight if you want just for his debut. But yeah, I think, I think 60 minutes for seven is probably fine. He showed a lot of good, a lot of good things though. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on. Ben White, Q. What were your thoughts on Ben White's performances? Um, pretty, pretty standard for for a clean sheet. I mean, I did well. Didn't have very many mistakes. I thought he pinged the ball around fairly well. Um, gave away one foul on Timu Puki right outside the box. Uh, wasn't much in it, but still, that's something you want to try to limit. Giving away yeah. set pieces, especially to a team like Norwich, who can't create much for themselves. Giving a set piece, just free opportunity for a striker goal. That's that's a way we get beat. Obviously, us Arsenal fans know that that's that can be to our detriment, especially against lower end teams. But yeah, all in all, pretty pretty solid performance. Definitely showed showed why we bought him, why we needed him. Yeah, I'd probably say eight. Yeah, I thought I thought Ben White was good for when he had to deal with it. I thought that challenge on Pookie was a little soft. I think. That shouldn't necessarily have been a free kick, but like you said, you can't be giving them away in those areas. But yeah, Beckett, you got anything else to add? I I think he did better this game in his aerial debuts or aerial duels than he did the first game, and I think that's a lot of people. A lot of, that's something a lot of people were questioning. So that was good to see. I like his directness too. It's getting through balls to Pepe or Alba over the top. That's that's why we got him, and it, it makes the whole team play a little more direct, and I like that. Right. When we have people like Alba and Pepe playing up top, you might as well abuse that pace. If you have it, right. you yep. might as well abuse it. So Definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty similar, but Beckett, what were your thoughts on Gabriel's performance? We've been missing him. <laughs> yeah. He uh, brings some good physicality. Um, I think that partnership with him and Ben White, is going to go work well together. And he, he looked a lot better on the ball than what I remember from last season. He looked really comfortable. He was playing some good through balls, playing through the midfield. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a presence that we've been missing for sure. Definitely. Definitely better than Pablo Mari. <laughs> Q, you got anything to add? Yeah, uh, definitely, like Beckett said, we missed him. I thought he was clean, defensively, strong, tidy on the ball, took care of it, didn't give away. I don't know if he gave it away at all no. from what I can remember. Um, one thing we also missed with him too is just his the danger that he brings when we have set pieces in the box. I know he got on the end of one that he probably could have left for Tomiyasu uh, corner, but I mean, whenever you throw him up in the box, you want him trying to get on everything that he can. He, I think he had three goals in the Prem last year. So, yeah, we definitely miss that in a team that doesn't have very many headers of the ball. We need him in the box for every corner being dangerous, throwing his body around. So I would probably say eight again just because simple fact, clean sheet. Didn't have to do too much, but did what he had to do. Can't complain. 
Yeah, definitely. And he had that uh, clutch tackle there at the end uh, on Pookie to deny a chance for us, so that was really good. Um, and he was throwing Pookie around, so he's definitely showing that physicality, and we love to see that. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to see him up against Lukaku next time we play Chelsea instead of Pablo Marie. Oh, I think yeah. he'll he'll do well with that. He'll relish that battle. He'll hold he'll hold hold up a little bit more than Pablo Mari did on Lukaku's goal. Yeah. Um, but anyways, moving on to the left back. Um, what do you guys make of Kieran Tierney's performance? Q, we can start with you. Yeah, no, I I don't think I'll ever give Tierney less than a six unless he scores an own goal. I just love I love Kieran Tierney the way he flies him down. He's he's always dangerous. He's always looking to whip balls into the box always looking to create chances and he plays an incredible ball. The amount of pace and the amount of whip he puts on those, it's just always dangerous. I mean, shoot, the center backs that are tracking back to goal are more likely to put it in their own net than clear it sometimes on those. So I believe he was the one who whipped in that chance for the Tomiyasu Valley I mentioned earlier. Um, Defensively did his bit as well, always tracking back. So today I'd probably give him – uh, 7.5, strictly for the fact that I've seen him play better, Yeah, if that makes sense. wasn't bad, but I've seen him play better. Definitely. Beckett? Yeah, I mean, you love to see you love to see how high he's getting on the left. And actually, that, is, that creates an interesting dynamic with Saka. And I always thought Saka's played better on the right. I think probably a lot of people think he's played better on the right, but if if you're allowing Tierney to get that high, basically play as a left winger, it, it basically just gives Saka the freedom to roam in the midfield wherever he wants. Right. So it, it kind of created like a Odegaard on the left side that just kind of floated around. And I know that's kind of the emphasis, Saka, Tierney on one side, just uh, mixing it up with each other, and then Odegaard. And Pepe on the other side, you don't want the overload on your right, right bias like Pepe and Odegaard like kind of have. So Saka just floating around, it really gave them a lot of space to do things different offensively and shape a better attack. So yeah, I mean, Tierney is Tierney's just the man. Yeah, I would agree. You can't ever give him anything lower than like a six. So yeah, I'd probably go seven five as well, maybe more. He run in that line, never says anything about it just does his job yeah that's tyranny's all about that he's he gets his job done day in day out but um all right let's move on to the midfield what do we think of zombie's performance q uh zombie yeah all right all right again very tidy on the ball um put in a shift defensively was tracking back <laughs> like maitland niles he's so much better than jaka it's not even funny so i'm really hoping that uh that Jaka just finds a way to stay on the bench until we play cup games. Um, Zombie, I'd probably have to give him, again, probably probably 7.5. 7 maybe just because he gets 60 minutes. Um, I think that's the plan going into the game. So maybe maybe I can't hold that against him. But I would say probably, I'll say 7.5. All right, Beth. It was nice to see him kind of dictating the midfield a little bit, whether that asking for the ball and then spreading out the play with his passing ability or just, I mean, he was 
winning tackles. He was making interceptions. He was kind of pushing that press higher and higher and winning the ball back in the attacking third. So I thought he had a good game. I thought he played well. And I, I honestly, I, again, it's against Norwich, but I, I, I think both those midfielders could play over Jaka. So I, I just, I, hindsight, you, you hadn't seen a game with Maitland Niles and Samba really, Sambi really, but hindsight, you probably, you should have taken that Jaka money from Roma. Just taking what you could have gotten. Yeah, definitely. Um, I hope to see more of uh, Sambi and Maitland Niles. Anything to really keep Jaka out of there. I think they look good. Um, but yeah, we could definitely have used that money and cashed in on Hill and Roma because, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, it's not like his value is going through the roof anytime soon. So, um, anyways, moving on um, to the other midfielder, Maitland Niles. Q, what were your thoughts on his performance? Really positive. I've said it again, or I've said it before, I'll say it again. Probably two, three, four times more effective than Jock, in my opinion, simply for the fact that he can just get around the pitch. I mean, he's pressing, he's making interceptions, he's putting pressure on the ball, making Norwich players uncomfortable, having to play quicker than they probably like to. Um, and he can, he can do things on the ball. He can get the ball and turn and go out the other way without you know, falling down at the slightest touch and then asking for a foul. Um, then it gets sucked into a red card. Um, and then just shows the, the versatility to move from center mid to right back in the middle of the game. That's not easy for any player, let alone a player who hasn't had consistent runs in the team. So, How many players do you know could do that or have done that so far in their career? Uh, at Arsenal or in general? Just in general. Like, well, I mean, though, well, off the top of my head, the one I'm thinking is like Jao Cancelo. I mean, Trent tried to do it this this on international break. It didn't work out probably as well as Maitland Niles did. Not a knock on Trent or anything. Just simply, simply an observer. What, what about Joshua Kimmich? Yeah, well, I'm not going to get my hopes <laughs> up there. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying that I mean that's obviously he's nowhere near that. I'm just saying like there's not many people in the world that can do that. There's that that can go from a midfield and then switch to right back mid game. It's it's like why did it take so long for this for that to happen? <laughs> yeah, you mean you just increase your value as well. It's like all right, we get him, we can play him in two positions. Not even it's like buying two players with just one. Even if he was um, half of Kimmich, he'd be that'd be insane. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's definitely. I mean, Cancelo, Kimmich, and Trent off the top of my head. That's not a bad, you know, no, no, no plethora no. of players to be associated with position wise. Guerrero, maybe. Who'd have thought? Like, it's not rocket science just to put someone more athletic in the midfield than Jaka and just see how it works out. Like. Especially in the prim, when it's so much quicker than international football, which Jaka excels in, or Europa League, yeah. where you know we dominate possession the whole entire game. So something that's a little more back and forth. He just he just doesn't have the legs or the the mental capacity for it either. He just doesn't think quick enough. At least yeah. if Maitland Niles doesn't think quick enough, he's still got the foot skills and the speed to just get out of it, dribble, create some time for himself. Jaka just panics, just falls down tries to draw something it's horrendous i can't stand to watch it anymore so yeah. maitland niles I'll, I'll give him an eight just for the simple fact that the dude was tasked with two separate tasks 
throughout the game and did well. You can't play in a defensive line and as a defensive midfield in a clean sheet for what? How many? You get 80 minutes? You can't play in both of those positions during a clean sheet for that long and not get an eight, I don't think, in my opinion. Yeah, 82 minutes. But, yeah, he looked he looked pretty dog-tired. I think you sent a text in the group chat saying, like, yeah, he's, he's dog-tired. And then next – Oh, yeah, he was he dead. Died. He made a run forward, and then we turned over, and maybe Pookie or Shiko was making a run back. And I think Odegaard's the one tracking all the way back, and Maitland-Niles just gassed. Just gas, the ball goes out for a corner, and he immediately goes hands to knees. It's almost like a plead, like, please bring in someone for me. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Which I don't blame him. Can't run around in the midfield all day and then having to get up and down the line. I, I would be dog tired in the 60th. So, yeah. No kidding. Beckett, you got anything else to add? Yeah. I mean, I, I that, that the athleticism is just nice to have in there. Um, it, he played pretty direct. He made a few turnovers in the midfield, but he recovered quickly. And the athleticism that you get from having those two in your midfield, I was texting Q earlier. I was, you just, our, our press after we would turn the ball over was just so much better because we could just zip to players. And uh, I think those two had a lot to do with it because they could cover the ground quickly. So I, I, I liked what he brought to the team. Definitely. What are you saying as far as rating? Uh, I'll I'll go eight. Yeah, you, I that I was super impressed with his ability. I mean, you just it's it, your positioning mindset's completely different too. It's not even about like playing going forward. The the what you have to do defensively is so much different. You you're only looking like mate, watching your line now, or you're not just only watching your line, but your line of thinking. Instead of having support directly behind you, there's nothing behind you. You have center backs on the inside, but it's just, yeah, that's the ability to do that for anyone is just crazy. He did play some nice, incisive passes through. He cut some lines through. He got a yes, ball into Saka. They weren't necessarily the long balls that you would associate with like Granite Jaka pinging it to the other side, but when you have Ben White and Gabriel sitting behind you who can make those plays or passes, or, or you can get the ball to Odegaard who has showed the potential to fling a ball out wide, I don't think you necessarily need that much of that coming from that position. So, I, I zombie recall, as well. I recall yeah. him having yeah. a couple turnovers, but I mean, I'll take a couple more turnovers for play, people to play progressive football rather than Jaka play safe passes all day long and have 100% pass. Yes, and those turnovers were progressive. He was trying right. to move the ball forward when he turns it over. I'm all right with that if we're trying to attack, and as long as there's an idea behind it. And you could see the idea behind those passes. Yeah. It's just a little lack of game form, which you get an extended running teams, yeah. more of those passes start coming off. So Yeah. And, like, I think maybe if you played Maitland-Niles and – Thomas, I think the loss of the ability to play a couple more long balls, you will be a lot more direct, but I think that ability to play long balls, you might miss it a little bit, but I think that is part of why he wants his defenders to be able to play so much better, like you guys mentioned, so much better long balls, because Shaka loses his importance to the team if you have the ability from other positions to play the balls that Chaka plays adding Ben White to be able to do it from the right Gabriel needs to get better so you might still want someone from the left but if you if the defensive line shifts over and you have 
Ben White doing it from the middle or the left a little bit, playing those balls. And then you have Tomiyasu from the right playing balls like that. Odegaard will give you that ability. It's just, I mean, it's adding abilities to other players on the field is kind of what this transfer window was for. And it makes players like Shaka lose their importance to the team, which is good because we had way too much of defendants on his ability to play the ball. And it sacrificed our defensive stability because he, his movement and mobility is just isn't great. Can Tierney, Tierney can play those balls from the left though. Surely. Right. I mean, we saw him. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in from yeah, our own box. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, he'd be, he'd be playing all the way in some, he's probably not switching a ton, but you don't necessarily need him to, cause he's going to be high up as a left winger almost anyway. So you're not really looking to Tierney to build your attack in possession. Right. That's good. Are we good on? Are we good on Maitland Niles? Or are we good to move on? I think so. We've probably talked enough about him. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to man of the match, Nicholas Pepe. What were your thoughts on this? His performance, Beckett. I thought. Uh, I thought Pepe looked well. He was taking guys on a lot, or looked good. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he he was taking people on a lot and. He was getting the ball moving forward. There were a couple times I wished he would have released it a step sooner. But, um, yeah, I thought he played played a good game. And maybe ESR would have played that role if he wasn't sick. But I, I think Pepe probably plays the next game because he showed enough to play next game. Um, he basically created that goal. Hits the post twice. Um, but he had a couple other opportunities, and I think he, he plays. I th- yeah yeah i mean that goal was that goal was crazy it, like i like the little finesse shot too the first one off the post it's a little slide dink i thought that one was going in for sure but then follows up his own rebound and somehow ends up hitting back off him to get to all of us so that was crazy q what were your thoughts on pepe's performance um yeah i think he probably deserved man of the match i think he was he was probably our most dangerous player um he i i just love the confidence that he gets ball out on the wing. I'm just going to run at you. I'm just going to beat you one-on-one all day long. I'm going to beat you up. You show me. He had one really good challenge in the first, what, minute, second minute. He goes at Brandon Williams, faints in left, goes with his right. Brandon Williams makes an unreal recovery tackle. But, yeah, I think most of our our really good chances, he was involved in some way, shape, or form. So, well deserves man of the match. I'm probably giving him eight point five just for how dangerous he was and how much he created in the final third. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he did have two or three touches where they were just real big touches. I think one was a long ball from Tierney, and then another one um, was right at the top of the box. So um, that wasn't great to see. But other than that, I thought he played and and looked like he had the right mindset for the game. But Beckett, what was your final rating for Pepe? Um, I'd give him a seven. I don't think he was the best player of the game. I don't think. He was I didn't the best say best. I think most dangerous. No, but man of the match. That's what he got. So I don't think he was the best player of the game. Who would you? Who would you have given it to? Probably Odegaard. I just think he just dictated our attack so much, and it. He. We'll probably get to him next, but. Uh, he just, the way he was just getting on the ball, finding seams, he, he just, 
He's a better player than what we had even from him last season. He's comfortable with this team now. He's making the movements. He's the one who frees up Pepe most of the time to get down that flank because he'll he creates the overload over there. I I I think his ability to pass is something that we don't have without Ozil from that cam position because ESR is more of a dribbler and just release people and his ability. He had a ball over the top to Aubameyang that Aubameyang probably should have scored, but it's, we haven't had passes like that. We just, we've been missing that. And that brings a little bit of quality that Ozil had. And you can kind of see moments where you see shades of Ozil with Odegaard. And I, I really like that. That's, that's a cam that I like to see out there. So I think he was my man of the match. Did you have anything you wanted to uh, add on Pepe? I know we kind of segued in there. Yeah, I mean, just give Pepe and yeah. Odegaard a rating. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd probably give Odegaard an eight as well, but Pepe, I, I guess Pepe could be a seven and a half. He created that goal. That so, yeah, you talked me into the seven and a half. <laughs> okay, seven and a half. For me, so first thing, real quick, Pepe, I know he'll always live in the shadow of that $70 million price tag, but still a joy to watch every single time he gets yeah. out there. He's excited. He's an exciting player. Um, so I, I I, might be a sucker for that, but I love it. Secondly, the Ozil, Odegaard comparison, there is one moment, I think it's probably in the 70, 70-something minute, Ball goes out wide to Smith Rowe. Odegaard makes a run into the box. And Sokka's making that lurking run, reminiscent of Arshavin against Barcelona, where it's like, ooh, if we could combine that goal with the lesser goal where Odegaard checks in the middle and instead of trying to do the little spin turn he drags, he just leaves it for Sokka coming in at the top of the box to have a go. Oh, oh, it's easy to see from TV because you get the whole picture. But, oh, if that comes off, oh. We are, we're talking Arsenal goal of the week, goal of the month yeah. type stuff there. But on Odegaard, yeah, I don't – that guy is – wow. Talk about just making an instant impact coming into the starting lineup. He's just uh, – he, you see him constantly winning the ball between passes going back to center back, center defensive mids. He does so well pressuring, pressing. That guy doesn't stop running. I mean, yeah. he'll continually sprint at people make them play the ball quicker than they they probably are used to. Um, and just making the play predictable. He cuts off angles, so our other defenders have a pretty good idea of where the ball is going to have to go next so they can get into position. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm impressed. So tidy on the ball as well. You mentioned that pass, but he's always looking to get on it, create something. Yeah, he's he's what we've been missing. Definitely. He's, he's what... He's one thing that we've been missing. So I would give Odegaard. Would I give Pepe? Did I give Pepe an eight? I'll give Odegaard probably an eight as well. All right. Yeah, I definitely see the links between his skill set and Ozil's. But like you're saying, the pressing and the running all over the pitch, that's something that's not exactly Ozil-like. But I love that about it too. So Offensively. Right. Offensively. And he might not come with with all the assists that Ozil would bring. But he's getting hockey assists out the wazoo. Our, yeah. His know, pressing will, provide, will create assists too. Yeah. So yes, yes. You, create you chances some, if it's not assists. Yeah, you sense. lose some 
I mean, he's 22 though. I mean, he could, you could get, he could get to a point in his career where he was good at Ozil peak offensively right. too. But I think either way, you might not have some of Ozil's passes and stuff in his locker right now. He's he'll get to that point or get close, but his other aspects of his game will definitely provide for you in ways that Ozil never did. So, uh, and I think that's that's why Ozil couldn't play for Arteta right. was because he couldn't provide some of these things that Arteta's like, listen, I'm, if I can't play my style of football, then I'm the one who's judged on it. And I'm the one who gets sacked because we're not performing. So I think he really needs someone like Odegaard in his team who could pass the ball and do things defensively to shape his, his way of football. Yeah, definitely. That would, he was definitely one of Arteta's biggest push for signings. I feel like as well. Um, but now let's move on to Bukayo Saka. Q, how are you? How are you feeling about Bukayo Saka's performance or yesterday? Yeah, so Bukayo Saka is another one similar to Tierney. I don't think he gets less than a six ever. He's he he's just so good. The way he uses his body is is unreal. I love the way he turns turns people before he even gets the ball. He'll get the positioning for lack of a better term, put his ass into the defender to where the defender has to go through him to get the ball. I think he drew two or three fouls doing that yesterday. He's so dangerous. Um, had a really good opportunity that flashed just beyond the post on his left in about this 80th minute. Um, one of those where I meant to talk about this as well is kind of to the point in the game where it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be shooting. Maybe we should kind of just hold the ball. As, yeah, 10 minutes left, we're up 1-0 kind of flashing back to the old banger arsenal that would just continually push for another goal, another goal. And then we end up conceding because we throw too many forward, but can't complain about it. Um, I thought he did really well going forward. So yeah, pro- I'll probably have to give him a 7.5. Yeah. I think that's a fair rating. Beckett, what were your thoughts on Saka's performance? Uh, I, I like, liked um, what he did that in the game, because as I mentioned with Tierney, Tierney getting so high, especially when we play teams like that, that'll sit back. I hope we do it against Burnley too. Allows Saka to just almost have free room in the midfield, and he he would wander across the field. He was making runs on Pepe's side. It's like, hey, this guy's our left winger. He's drifting in the middle. He's getting in good positions, getting on the half turn like you mentioned, and just pulling us forward. He was getting the ball a lot. He would gain 10 yards through dribble, lay it off. Um, yeah, and, and I think him and Odegaard had some good moments too. Almost had a goal like they had in the uh, cup when they did the one-two combo in the middle of the field. Odegaard had that layoff. So they almost found each other for that almost identical goal. But I thought Saka played really well. And yeah, I also never getting probably below a six. I, or I haven't seen him play worse than like a six, at least since he's been playing. So... Yeah, I'd probably give him seven and a half because it's it's so we didn't create that many goals. We probably had four opportunities. Five. How many did you guys say? Seven, which is pretty good for how our offense has been the first three games. But we created one goal. Goal opportunity. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, three and a half xg. Okay. Three, or no, well, three point oh five. I'm sorry, three point oh five. Okay, so I mean, we didn't we didn't have all the opportunities we should have, but I mean, 
three games in, we haven't scored. We'll take what this offense provided. We had 30 shots. I mean, you would hope that we have a better conversion rate or we get more on frame, but we we were playing an offensive style in their zone a lot, and it was a lot more enjoyable football because of what Saka, Odegaard, and Pepe were bringing to it and all the Ami Yanks. So I just – I would give them seven and a half. It was It was – fun to watch i hope they do it more against other opposition like that and better opposition yeah definitely um i like i like Saka's performance a lot um but let's move on to up top the big man with the goal what were your thoughts on all this performance day i think he looks much more fit this season um i know last season he went through a lot but he i don't know the, this game in particular, he was he was all over the place. He was he looked faster. Uh, he had two time two or three times he got down the flank and was running at people. And I was like, I last season I thought he looked slow at times. I don't know, maybe it was just his form. But um, Q and I were talking a little bit about he just seems to be a little bit more confident and not necessarily he didn't get the goal the way you necessarily need to be confident it kind of dropped to him but he was in the right position and there's times we've seen all will be in the right position and miss easy goals recently even so just to see him be there and finish it off i thought he had a i thought he had a pretty good game and we need all but to be getting in the right position and finishing goals if we want to be better than eighth yeah definitely he was uh he, just to your point he looked super fast when he was running down the flank. I think he ran at um, one of their center backs and then he ended up pulling up, but, um, and then he was on that, on that breakaway with Tim Krul. What are you thinking about him taking that shot straight away? Like if you're going to do that, at least put it on net, bro. At least put it on net. You love to see the thing that I think about that is you, I'm glad that he has the confidence to try that though. I, I want him to have the confidence that he can score from that. Tim Krul's out of position. We didn't see that on the first camera angle or, or live, but him seeing he's out of position, you want Alba, because old Alba's thinking that all the time. If he sees that goalie off his line, he's he's trying something like that. So you, I love the confidence to do that. I don't think he needed to, but I, I mean, I think he probably could have beaten the guy that was there and maybe gone in one-on-one, but I'm okay with it, especially for as many goals as he scored. Definitely, Q. Yeah, I'm okay with that. With that as well, I actually, I actually like to see it. Um, when we haven't gotten a goal all season, and you get in behind and you see the goal is at the top of the box, why not have a go? Um, like Beckett said, you have to be confident to take that. And after seeing him take that on the replay when he's walking back, I'm thinking in my head, okay, all this feeling himself today. You know, he wants to score. He's hungry. He's ready for it. So I was all right with it. Um, in terms of his total performance, I really, really, really hope that now the days of us seeing Alba line up on the left are done and dusted. I think that, I think yesterday just shows how dangerous he can be. I mean, that Tierney chance or that Alba chance where he takes it comes out of Tierney collecting a miscued cross. And, and we go from, R six to that shot in about 
five seconds, right. which I think is really going to be really, really, really important when we play the likes of Liverpool's and Man U's and cities who like to throw numbers forward whenever they whenever they given the opportunity. So I think that him getting his pace back, getting his fitness back, and just being dangerous on the counter and on the break like that is going to be it's going to be really important for us going forward. Um, yeah, and on the goal, I mean, you can't ask much more of your striker. Stand in the middle of the goal and wait for the ball to come to you whenever situations like that arise. And he does what he has to do, puts a foot on it, gets it in the goal, and Arsenal win 1-0. I hear the chance at the end of this game, so that's what you like to hear. Yeah. yeah. What I loved about his performance is that that ball over the top, whether he's drawing a foul or end up, end up bringing it down, he had a good shot. I almost tried dinking it over Cruel. Um, after settling one of those balls. So I thought that was nice. But what I love about those chances is they can literally come from nothing because he's just yep. he's running along the line. And if someone picks their heads up, sees him, like, all right, send all, all the in. Like, it's not like there needs to be any dramatic buildup to play or anything for that. So that's what I love about those chances. You got anything and else? And that threat, that threat that he provides going in behind, frees up so much space in front of those central defenders and wing defenders for the likes of Odegaard and Saka and Pepe to come in and cut in and get on the ball at their feet with space to move into because Alba's drugged them away. They're so worried about his pace, him getting in behind and taking one of those free chances that that it just opens up so much more for us to, to actually build up and, and move the ball forward. So I think he's going to be invaluable. I there was a part of me this summer was like, all right, let's just get him gone. Let's get something fresh. He looked horrendous last year, but don't want to get too, too high on, on the train. But yesterday was definitely a step in the right direction and getting him back on that golden boot form. So, Yeah, and Alba being that threat is why you bought him and you saw that early. His ability to score, be in the right place and get those goals like he did early in his Arsenal career. And we now have players that can recognize that more and have the ability to play those balls for him. And in a way, again, recognizing the opposition, in a way, though, you saw glimpses of exactly how Arteta wants to play. We've been screaming for them not to build up so slowly and pass the ball around until the team gets the whole time to drop back and just recognize sometimes the direct ball's on. Even if you don't succeed in that direct ball, our press was good enough to win it back. So, I mean, just take the shot. You take the shot at the beginning of every game. You drop it back and you send it long. Just do it right when you win the ball in your defensive third. And Alba has 40 yards clear on goal to just run into. He's going to be the fastest player against most center backs. So just throw the ball up there sometime and see what happens. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just like the the kickoff play that we discussed last week. So, I mean, might as well look for more of that. But so now let's move on to the subs. What did you guys make of ESR's performance? We'll start with you, Q. Um, I think both ESR and Party came in at the same time. They obviously they both made a pretty dramatic impact. Um, Party, it's his incisive ball into Saka on one of those half turns we're talking about that gets us in a position to score that goal. Um, so he, I mean, he probably cuts out six players with that pass, including Saka's, Saka's turn. So, yeah, I think we we're gonna need need him to stay fit uh, if we want want to push on for 
really any sort of results this season. He's just such a game changer. Um, Smith Rowe as well created a nice chance for himself on the shot that ended up going to soccer for that curler I was talking about earlier. You can just tell how positive he is, how confident he is. He gets in and he's running at people. Uh, to have someone like him or Pepe coming off the bench every game is going to be a huge boost from last year when we didn't really have very much attack to come off the bench once we went down one nothing, 2 nothing in games, and we can only bring on El Nini and Maitland-Niles and the likes of those guys. So I think that they uh, both those guys will play, a, obviously, a huge role in, in our season this year, and I think that they both played played really well in the time they were allowed. So Cedric... I uh, I'm hesitant to give him any rating just based on you know playing ten minutes of of soccer, but he came up with a huge block in about the 84th minute. That was that I mean that's why you subbed him on. So I can't I can't drag him down in the ditches like I was in uh, in our group text. So I was pretty upset when he was subbed on instead of Nuno Tavares. But in all, I'd probably give. Thomas, Thomas an eight, ah, seven, seven point five, ESR seven point five, strictly because they didn't get the full, full run out, um, and then an NA for Cedric Suarez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd probably give them both sevens and NA as well. Um, actually, I'll give, I'll give Cedric a seven. Being a sub, do you, you did the one thing that you probably needed to do, um. With that block, is that what you're uh, yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I and I, I think, I listen. We've had our discussions about Cedric. No one really wants, no one thinks that's it. But honestly, I think I go with Cedric there, or Chambers at right back over Nuno, just just for the somewhat more experience in the prem, um, to just ride out a game for eight minutes. Uh, so I'd probably I'm. I'm kind of okay with that. He didn't do anything besides that block, really, that stood out. Um, uh, Party and ESR, you just the the dynamic changes when they get on there. They're both such progressive players that they just pull our our attack forward. Um, I think you saw shades of what we could see in other games like this, or against Burnley, or some other teams where you do Party, ESR, and Odegaard. And you run that as your three midfield, so I think that could be foreshadowing some things in the season. But I thought they, I thought they both played well for their their time on the field. So um, yeah, I think I I'd probably give them all sevens just because they were only subs. But we docked other guys for only going sixty minutes, so <laughs> I'll just give them all sevens for doing what they did. Yeah, that ESR chance at the end, I thought. He was so composed with it. Took that extra touch, and I was just hoping he could put slide one past him. Cruel, but I was actually hoping he'd slide one over to Sock on the overlap. But coming in as a sub, and you get a chance like that that flashes right in front of you, it's hard to pass oh. up. So, oh, his eyes lit up. He's he's right in front and center. Of the oh ball. yeah. Um, but yeah, you, Becky, you mentioned uh, running Smithrow party and Odegaard. Would you like that in a? Four three three. You would you like that the four two three one that we got pulling now? Yeah, I mean, I I think they'd both be eights. Odegaard and ESR, they're both going to have their share of responsive uh, defensive responsibilities. Um, you, Odegaard showed some 
of his ability there when he tracked all the way back late in the game and stopped that counter attack. So I, I, I think he can definitely do it, and I think ESR can as well. You, they, if you have those two in the attack together, with the way Saka plays too, you just you create so much more off ball movement and interchanges that it. I, I think we our attack could become a lot better. The more those guys can gel together, the more they develop in as attacking players. So, yeah, I think that that could be what we. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That surprised if we saw that against Burnley. Burnley's going to sit deep, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that form that formation with those two as eights. Um. Yeah. So I don't. Both of them at eights works fine with me. Uh, the only thing to mention about that is I just love the way that Odegaard presses playing in a more advanced role centrally. Just the way that he puts pressure on the central defenders and the CDMs, the way he picks passes out, as I mentioned earlier, the way he makes opponents play predictable. I think you start to miss a little bit of that when you drop into the three, three in the midfield and he's playing a bit deeper of a role. That being said, I don't think that it's undo. It's not, I don't think he can't do it. I just think that he's more suited to play more advanced. But I mean, it, when they, when they go for a pressing situation, you could still shift him when you're in pressing situations. And I mean, ESR is pretty good pressing similar in a similar way. I mean, I think Odegaard is pretty, is better at it, but if, when the ball just goes to the left side, if you mimic that with ESR, and Abba, maybe one drops in and then you just shift like that, maybe. Or, I mean, you could do the same pressing shape and just ESR covers more of a deeper role whenever you shift to that. But when you're in your own half, you could do something a little different. I, I don't know. There's, I think there's ways you could work it out with your defensive shape where you can kind of mimic it. But you're also not expecting to defend as much when you're using that formation probably because you're not you're not using that against liverpool or a big six club against burnley i think you there's ways you could sh shape it in defense for the amount of time that like you're expecting 30 percent possession maybe so 30 percent possession on defense sorry 30 percent for burnley not yes. arsenal yes. dear yes. god if we ever have 30 percent possession against burnley I don't know. Something's fucking. You might look uh, up and see uh, pigs with wings flying around. Yeah, I don't. That'd be horrendous. Speaking of Berlin, what are you guys thinking about that game? How are you feeling about it? Q, we'll start with you. Oh, definitely a lot better now. <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're sitting with no points going into Burnley, they're licking their chops. Oh, they're gonna make life so hard for us. Um, even now on three points. I still think, I mean, Burnley's always a tough game. Ask any any Premier League player, any Premier League coach, the way that they go into a game and their mentality and how they play, it's just, it's always going to be difficult to, for anyone to break down. Um, so I, I'm i looking, it's a bit more positive now. I think that we created, we created so much, maybe not the final ball or the finish, but we definitely showed that we have the ability to create against a team that'll sit deep. So I, I'm hopeful. Um, 
I'm hoping that Party will be back and Maitland Niles can make an impact off the bench or I'm hoping that we can get some of those guys, maybe Smith Rowe in for Pepe um, from the ver- from the get go. But I don't, I'm looking, I'm looking at it in a positive light. I'm I'm excited for that game. Yeah, kind of what to your point of what you said about the final ball is we got numbers in and around the box a lot um, against Norwich. I felt like, and I felt like there are multiple situations where. Like you said, that ball was just off or someone takes it off touch and the chance isn't there anymore. But um, I think that'll come with time. Um, the more we get these players in those situations, that I think that'll start to clean up and look a lot better. But Beckett, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's after a game like the Norwich game, you've seen some positives in the way we play. And we definitely needed to see that going into the game game against Burnley because if not the way that we normally play against Burnley is I'm sure would be fresh in people's minds like they always suffocate us playing 10 guys behind the ball and we always lack our creative chances so having some positive signs going into that definitely changes my perspective we saw signs of how we could play against them in a similar manner so hopefully we um, go with an attacking approach into that game as well. Maybe we play the eights, like I said. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Excited for the next game already. Now, haven't had that kind of hope and excitement for a while. So yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to the game against Burnley. Um, do you guys have anything else you wanted to add about the game or anything in general? Um, you mentioned it earlier. I just want to talk about. The, the very first start of the the very first kick of the game the start of the game our kickoff play actually you know comes off it actually does its job we drop it off we play a long ball we have probably what four or five people running to pin that long ball in their center back goes up for it heads it out and we get a throw in you know probably 10 yards outside their box already haven't pinned in through that we are able to keep the ball and get a corner kick off that Pepe Brandon Williams challenge I was talking about earlier so I love I love to see that actually come to fruition and work off. I thought the first ten minutes we just absolutely dominated Norwich. They were pinned within their own half. Um, yeah, I thought that that was that was great. They settled down a little bit later in the first and throughout the game were able to create half chances at best. Um, but I I was really impressed with how much we we dominated. Um, yeah, Beckett, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah. Um, the f- first 15 minutes, like you said, 10, 15 minutes, I thought our, I thought we were front foot pressing pretty well. Um, and I, I think that it was big. We needed to be like that. It's not sus- – for most teams, it's not sustainable, especially the way our press has been. I'll take 15, 20 minutes of that at a time. I don't think we're a team that is sustaining that for – a 45 and a half and then doing that another 45 minutes. So if, if you get 20, 30 minutes out of your team on a solid press in each half and then the other 10, 15, you kind of weather it. I think that's a point that we can take as Arsenal fans right now. We are not Liverpool. We can't sustain that. So 
I thought we we did well the first 15 minutes, and we were all up on them. We were very quick to win it back if we turned it over in the attacking half. They only had a few opportunities, and we squashed them pretty quickly. I don't. I think in the first five, six, seven minutes of the game, I remember the commentator said, "I don't even think Burn. I don't even think everyone on Norwich has touched the ball yet." He was yeah, like, that was about the tenth minute. That was about the yeah, tenth minute of the game. He was like, "I, I mean, they've had very few touches," and I'm like, "Yeah, we've been all of on them." So I, I thought that was, that was really cool to see, and I think you saw some of the elements. <laughs> of the press that we could have really pay off. So I, I, I thought we were really good. And then we had a little phase after that. Like I mentioned, you kind of lose your press a little bit, but I thought we still defended pretty well. We just gave Norwich a little bit more ball. I mean, we weren't, if you, if you were watching a little bit on some of them, they like 23rd, 24th minute will allow them to have the ball on their back line. We'll sit probably 10, 15 yards off half. But the way we were marking still, their only opportunities was to pass backwards and send it long. And I know we've mentioned this about Pep blowing smoke out of Arteta's ass with his comments the other day on his press. But honestly, watching our press against Norwich, all I could think of was what Pep said. I was like, all of their passes in that phase were backwards. And then a center back or cruel would kick it long. They might win the header and then second ball progresses them, which you have to deal with that sometimes. But all I could think about was Pep's comments. We They could only pass it backwards, really, for a phase of that. And so it was nice to see. Yeah, you're right in the sense that it's illogical to think that we can press the whole entire time. So you allow them to keep the ball as long as it's not in dangerous areas. Dangerous areas. Play the ball yep. around your center backs all you want. I mean, we'll just take a break for five, ten minutes, catch our breath, and then we'll be all over you again. So, yeah, as yep. long as as long as long they're playing in their own half, back to the goalie, outside mid, or outside back, back to center back, that I'm, I'm all right with that. And real quick, I wanted to talk about this as well. So, looking on FootMob, the stats – the passing stats, Arsenal led in every single category aside from one. Can you guys guess which one it is? Um, and this is so positive. Like, this is the one stat you don't want to be leading in. Giveaways? Think about what we just talked about. Think about what we just talked about. Oh, backwards passes. Close. Passes in your own half. Uh, so, I mean, we're completing passes in their half all day. We don't even yeah. have to pass yeah, the ball yeah, back yeah, in yeah. our half. That's the one stat that they let in. So that's that's positive as well. That's something you love to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a two, two-way two stat, too. I mean, that means we weren't just passing around. Our, yeah, our build yeah, we was were much dangerous quicker if we were when getting they were it not. Out of yeah. 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 So, yeah, you do love to see that. Um, One thing, another thing I wanted to talk about was before the game and even after the game, I'm looking through FootMob as well, just looking at Arsenal team stats in general, and I'm thinking, man, this is kind of depressing. You know, we've barely created any chances all season, one goal all season, all this. Then I slide over to Norwich, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no one's averaging above a 7.0 match rating. Uh, they've been absolutely demolished. Granted, they've had a rough first start to the season. They yeah. had Liverpool, City, 
Leicester and then us. But oh, thank God I'm not a Norwich fan. That's uh, horrendous. Um, <laughs> thinking back to it, they sell their best player in Emi Buendia, replace him with Milot Rashica of Werder Bremen, Werder Bremen. Uh, and then he's on the bench. It's like, how do you how do you do that against Arsenal? I, I get you not going to be on the ball much. He's an attacking player, but yikes. And also, a question for you guys, being USA fans as well, how depressing is it to think that the striker for the U.S. men's national team can't even get a look in on a team so, so bad, so bad? I I think that he will. I, I just... He's new to the Prem. Pookie's at least played in the Prem before. And the schedule that they've had to start the season, to your point, was nuts. So I think Sargent will get looks. I I think that they just probably didn't want that inexperience for the games that they had. Um, I, I mean, he, he played in that cup game for them, too. They scored six goals, very similar to us. And he scored two, I think. So I think he'll get looks. And I think he'll... The way I, I mean, we were talking the other day, Q, kind of how we were talking with another one of our friends. You say, is he going to get better for the U.S. national team playing at Norwich? Well, he'll definitely get better just being around that Premier League level. But does it make the U.S. team better? Kind of, in a way, because especially when U.S. plays against Mexico or some bigger teams in Europe when we get to the World Cup or other tournaments, if we get to the World Cup, we are going to be playing on the back foot probably in those games. So what he's learning from Pukki and the style of play that he'll have at Norwich in a, in a lot of games will come in handy for the U.S. because his hold-up play is going to get better because he's going to have to learn that so his team can get forward. He's going to learn to play on the counterattack better. And he's going to learn to create more things for himself when he when he gets those counters. So, uh, yeah, you, it's not ideal to see him on the bench. You want him playing. But he just played three games with the U.S. So, and the schedule they've had, I think it's okay for the time being. If he goes the whole season and has 12 appearances, <laughs> you question it. Uh, I, I, I hope he gets at least 20. That's 20 games in the Prem. So, That'll be nice, but I, that's what I would probably shoot for. Yeah, if he can crack in and be playing at four, which I think is a very positive move for him and the United States team, uh, just in general. But going back to Q's point, talking about looking at Norwich's stats, I was scrolling through Twitter, like Arsenal tweeted something out about like us getting a win, and then some guy in like top of the comments was, "Why are you guys celebrating? Our club is shit." <laughs> so they're just <laughs> it's just so, so funny because they're probably in the exact same boat, thinking the same thing, but I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, think about how miserable we've been for the past three weeks. That's been Norwich ever since they got promoted. It's like you get promoted, it's like, yay, oh, shit. <laughs> We're about to get murdered. Every they, didn't even have, they didn't even have hope instilled with their transfers either. Oh, it, was no. just, it was just like, well, we're taking four L's to start the season, so oh. let's, let's really relish that cup game that we won 6 <laughs> Yeah, let's just put we all our energy in the care about the cup. Till the fifth week of the season. 
they play Watford next, so they should be all right. Yeah. That at least will be competitive. competitive they level. should be competitive, yeah. Yeah, play some attacking football. Yeah, that's, that's a tough start. A rough start for a promoted team, too. A rough start for any team, especially a promoted team. Speaking of being competitive, um, I think that Arsenal, once we got the goal, did a tremendous job of just killing the game, making it boring. Not uh, not necessarily boring. I know I mentioned the two chances earlier with Smith Rowe and Saka, where it's like, oh, do we need to be shooting this? Can we just keep the ball in their half, you know, in their third, play it around a bit? But yeah, like I said, I think we did a tremendous job. I know I'm picking on Jaka again, but he's not out there to get sucked into something where he commits a foul and then he starts talking, just getting the getting the Norwich team fired up and ready to get back into it. So I think that, yeah, I think that they just did a tremendous job of killing the game, making it pretty boring. Obviously, there's going to be an onslaught in the stoppage time the last few seconds, but I think they showed some real composure and, and determination and making sure that they they came away with the three points. So I was really impressed with that as well. Um, um, I've seen – I've no matter, no matter who, 1-0, I'll take it. We didn't look nervy. And I've seen a lot of te- teams for Arsenal in recent years that would make 1-0 look super nervy and probably would concede and maybe even lose. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's – anytime you can get the clean sheet and see a game out that way, you show good composure, I agree. And Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. Like you guys are saying, great game. Um, exciting. Looking forward to the upcoming matches to see if we can kind of put together a couple wins here. I would like to see just a few more cutbacks thrown into our attacking system as opposed to continually lofting the ball back stick any, every chance we get. I just feel like we just don't have the personnel to make that effective unless we're wide open. I mean, Alba's not dunking. Tomiyasu had that folly, but it's kind of just a half chance. We have so much potential. I want to see us get in line and cut a ball back on the ground like the Pepe finish last year or, you know, stuff like that. I We're just not dangerous in the as dangerous in the air as I think that we would like to be. And when we get in those chances or those opportunities in those positions, just cut a ball back to the top of the six or to the, to the PK spot and let someone finish. Um. Do you guys have any thoughts because on that? As much as I love seeing Tierney and Tomiyasu get down the line, anytime I see the ball chipped up, I'm just like, well, all those. That's not a waste, those. right? It's, like, it's a waste, yeah. It's like, so, yeah, I see what you're saying. And it does frustrate me when we're always crossing balls in just because, I mean, there's literally close to no one to get on the end of those in the air. I have no, I have nothing to, nothing wrong with, with the crosses. Right. I mean, we did. We're you have to play crosses in. That's I mean that's just an opportunity. That's a way to create scoring chances. But there has to be varying types of crosses right. that come in. So. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think the only that's probably the the only downside of Tierney's what he does on the left side is he doesn't get end line that often. And yeah, like he whips in it the early. box end line. But his his crossing ability is good when he whips those in and gets a lot of good crosses in. He, but he does do the floated ones because he doesn't actually get like 
two or three yards in the 18, like right. in line. He's when he's getting in line, he's like halfway between the 18 and the corner flag in line. Yeah. And it's, that's not the best spot to play those balls. So yeah, I think they need a little more like interchange of movement with Saka where you can get that ball, like a little bit more closer to goal for a better cutback. But yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's how half the goals get scored against Arsenal. I feel like is in line cutbacks. That's, that's such a good opportunity. So yeah, I would, I think so too. Now we can go into Ronaldo or whatever else. All right, Beckett, we'll start with you on CR7's return. Yeah, that's that's something you love to see. I mean, you, not as a Arsenal fan and wanting Man U to do anything, but that man's too good not to just relish in moments like that in his career and same for Arsenal fans. Whenever Henri came back to the club, and he's that it was that was against Leeds, right? When he came on and scored that winner. Oh my god! Well, that's so, an Alex mean, Song link up play there too. Yeah, oh, so, opens his hips, finesse back post, and then the celebration too, which I want to get on with Ronaldo. But the celebration that Henri has in that, where he runs along all the fans' arms open straight to Wenger. Oh. Yeah. The passion yeah. and just a love for the club coming back after being in the MLS as well. He's playing for the Red Bulls and comes back for that. Oh yeah. That that's something that like gets my heart fluttering anytime I see it. So Yep. But yeah. the same same scenario with Ronaldo after that first goal when he goes to the corner, jumps, does his celebration, and the whole entire stadium just yells, <laughs> Oh that oh. I'm hesitant to say and admit that I almost went full erection on that that celebration yeah i mean i think it was all enough we all knew it was inevitable that he was scoring at least one that's why he's my fantasy captain this week on the return yeah do you use the wild card oh yeah i had to my team was horrendous before i just i don't know where i was putting my faith so <laughs> we're we're hopefully straighten or straighten the ship and can start pushing for uh some places now yeah all right can i can I ask you a question related to that? Yes. So, captaining Ronaldo now. I'm captaining Lukaku. I'm sure someone out there is captaining Kane. Feel sorry for that fucker. Maybe this. Maybe maybe you can talk about this in the minute or whenever. But who do you want? Who do you think is winning the Golden Boot now? We know Kane. I don't know if he's going to leave or not to City. But either way, he's playing for Tottenham now. If he goes to City, that increases his chances. I don't think they're spending $150 million in the winter, but whatever. Ronaldo's here now. Lukaku, they're all playing. So who do you think's got it? So for me, I'm just going to go with this might be a little bit of my heart as well, but there's some some stuff to back it up, but I just don't know how you can – go against Ronaldo in this battle. Lukaku's had more games than him. But we've seen Lukaku semi-struggle against the big opponents, top six in particular, top six, whoever that is even more, I don't know. Um, Granted, he looks to be in fine form now. He just got two goals on the weekend. But with Ronaldo, you know that that man relishes the games, the big games. And you know he's showing up week in, week out. 
if he has a terrible performance, you almost guarantee he's bagging at least two the next week. That's how mentally strong that that guy is, and that's how determined he is. Um, not saying Lukaku isn't that determined or anything like that, but it's just I don't know how you can go against Ronaldo in that argument. I mean, I see Lukaku. I think it's just going to be a the same race that it was last year in Syria. Ronaldo, Lukaku, back to back. Yeah, who can score more this week? <laughs> I think it's going to be a great race too, but uh, kind of along the same lines you were saying is like, I can't name a more Cristiano Ronaldo thing than returning to United and then just immediately winning the golden boot. Um, Yeah. And not even just Ronaldo. I just have really enjoyed watching United play this season. I think uh, Fernandez, he had another great goal yesterday. Um, So yeah, my money's, my money's in Ronaldo's corner. I think he's got this one. How about you, Beckett? Yeah, I I have bet on Lukaku to win the Golden Boot. It was before the Ronaldo transfer, but does the Ronaldo transfer know. make you regret that? Not really. I mean, I didn't put much on it. But would you consider I, would you I consider think, washing and putting the same amount on Ronaldo? That way, you can root for both. <laughs> I'm maybe I'll put some, yeah, I might put some on, but uh, I I could see Ronaldo getting it. Um, I think both of them have a are <laughs> Ronaldo might get might get the penalties, the Manchester United and Lukaku might get the penalties at Chelsea, but there is a question on both of those. I think a lot of people would say there's no question Ronaldo's taking pens, but Bruno. So all the pens last year, and like half his goals were pens. Jorginho is at Chelsea, so I don't know. I think I think Chelsea is a better team than Manchester United, and that makes me want to pick Lukaku. But like you said, Ronaldo's just got that <laughs> Ronaldo factor about him, yeah. and I think he just wills in goals. He's just, it just, yeah. So um, I think I might add a bet on Ronaldo for the end of the season to say Golden Boot, but if the Kaka got it, I wouldn't be surprised and I would still be happy because I'd pay out. Yeah. I've discussed this with uh, Q before, and I think the perfect happy medium might be Ronaldo on pens, Fernandez on free kicks. Um, I just don't see the ball getting taken out of Ronaldo's hand, especially if he goes yeah. and wins a penalty yeah. like he's grabbing that ball out of anyone's hand and burying that thing. He should. Yeah. He rightfully should. So I think, granted, I didn't get to see a lot of the game with uh, Ronaldo over, or Ronaldo, Man U and Newcastle, but I almost think the precedent is set in the Portuguese team when yeah they win a penalty or a free kick and Ronaldo's the one on the ball instead of Bruno. So I don't know how. If you just go to Manchester and when you're in Manchester, Bruno says, hey, I got it. I don't know if Bruno can even say that considering the greatest player for his national team ever is on the team with him. So I don't know. That's a hard ask when you have to go tell your idol, hey, I'm better on these free kicks than you. Ronaldo, as much as I want to say he's a team player and he wants to win, I don't see him giving him the ball out of pure, you know, He's it's only like got so many goals you know, you left. 
Yeah. He's only got so many left. Do you think he's yeah. passing them up? Yeah, no willingly? chance. That's what I'm talking. That's part of the Ronaldo factor is yeah. his confidence yeah. saying, hey, I'm going to do this. So yep. I don't – I think that he's on all set. Pieces. I think he – yeah, he's for definitely got a better game. argument to say to Bruno, I'm taking pens and whatever the fuck else I want than Lukaku does to Jorginho. <laughs> so I think that will edge him out in the goals. Um pressure over just open play but yeah i <laughs> i think you're right i'll probably throw some on him but <laughs> we're talking you into it right now well i mean i i can fully understand yeah. that like i only brought it up just for discussion purposes right. but yeah i agree like bruno like it's like when when your team gets another world-class player and you kind of decide some of the egos might have problems over who takes stuff, but it's like if your if your team gets one of the best players ever to play, and it's a team he's played on before, like your longevity doesn't really mean anything. He is already an icon for that club, and you're hoping you get to that point. Right. Yeah. Like everything should be Ronaldo's if he wants it, and maybe egos like like Pogba in the last year of his contract. Maybe that's a deciding factor is that he kind of wants some of that responsibility at his point in his career. And he will be pushed down in the penalty taking order now, too. So I don't know. Players have left before because of egos in that situation. I mean, Mbappe could play on the best team of all time. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> at PSG with Messi and Neymar, and that dude was pushing for a $150 million move to Real. So, I mean, it could change some of the dynamic in that team and make this might be the only year you have Bruno, Pogba, and Ronaldo together. So, oh my dude, they are going to be speaking a of problem, an absolute problem <laughs> in penalty shootouts. Bruno... Speaking of Pogba, he is loving playing in this team. I I was on foot mob as I said. I'm looking at stat. Pogba's got seven assists this season on two chances created. Which goes to show that I mean just give your front players the ball and they're gonna go beat three people and score. Like yeah. holy crap. You don't even have to do anything. He's loving yeah. it. Yeah. On the flip side of it what I just said, your world class players could harmonize and actually get develop into the world-class team you want them to be so i mean manchester united has put together a team that is very good and if they do whatever they do might be limited to ollie but i i mean they, they are that's a very good team and if they can all gel together you could see some cool things happening for manchester which as an arsenal fan fuck that but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he the way Pug was playing right now, he's doing things Manchester United fans always wanted him to do, and he's got Rashford, Sancho, Bruno, Ronaldo all in front of him now. So like, just play the passes you play to someone else, and play it to Ronaldo, and you have already probably three more, four more, five more assists a season just from adding Ronaldo. Yeah. His. I mean. His that goal United scored. I think it was it was Lingard that ended up put, putting it away. But Pogba plays it. Martial dummies. I mean that was just beautiful. So yeah, they've been fun to watch as much as it sucks. Any other Premier League news we want to talk about? 
Um, Norwich, we already talked about them, but I just I think they're gonna get relegated again. <laughs> and maybe yeah, it's not looking too hot for them. Yeah, yeah. That's my early season prediction is that they're going down again. Hopefully with Burnley. So. One thing I wanted to note was my early prediction is that the West Ham fall off is coming soon. Very soon. Europa League and Champions League starts up this week. They do not have the depth in that squad to be competing in both that they can't afford to play the full team on Thursday and then try to recover by Sunday. It's just injuries is I, they're not, I don't think they're going to be able to compete in both. They're going to have to pick one and go for it, which I'm assuming is probably going to be Europa league. So I, okay. Let me ask you that. What would you pick? If I'm West Ham? Yeah. Well, which, which one are you? Probably going for European glory. I mean, exactly. Last season is probably the best push that you're going to, going to be able to maintain in the prim and you got into Europe so now I'm thinking you try to make the most out of that and you give your fans something to look forward to by come come February March instead of just playing mediocre not mediocre but mid-table football games that don't really have any impact late in May yeah I I, there's I mean they're they're not going to get relegated you're not going to finish probably below like 13th even doing both and what's the difference between 13th and 8th? So go for your European, just throw that, go all in on that basket. And whatever you do in the Premier League is whatever you do. Because like we said, you're not going to, if you got Europe again, what's the point of getting Europe if you're just going to throw it away? So, yeah, I agree. I mean, Antonio hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy for a whole Premier League season add a European campaign in there that, that's that's asking a lot so I, I think they will have to pick one or the other as well and I would go with Europe but yeah luckily enough Antonio will not be suspended for that European game like he will be for the next uh, few Premier League games so I think yeah. I think it's only one isn't it yeah they only got one one game for that um, another one Another some of the Premier League predictions we've talked about, not necessarily Premier League, but comes to mind for the simple fact that we were talking about Man U is what do you think about Portugal and in the World Cup coming up next year, 2022? I just don't think that you can have your two best players and your two most prolific players playing in the same team as a warm-up for that World Cup. You know, getting a whole season together, working together in a team that's pretty dynamic I think that if they're able to to sort some things out, they didn't look too too good playing together in the Euros. But we're, we're, if they're able to to create some link up, I think that is going to be a problem in international football next year. Yeah, I I think I think if I'm the Portugal coach, I'm watching Bruno and Ronaldo play together, and I'm seeing what kind of shape I need behind them. Um, they've he's been a little conservative with the way he plays with Portugal. Uh, or the Portugal national team has been a little bit more conservative in their approach. And that's what won them a Euro playing kind of a just solid defensive structure. And it changes the offense a little But Yeah. I I'm watching like every game those guys play together and I'm trying to develop my attack through that because yeah, 
those two, if you can get them on the same wavelength, they have. I mean, you have someone like Bruno, you can't just not play him because he doesn't fit with your striker. You you have to figure out a way to get them to fit together. So yeah, I, I would agree if they can put together a campaign together and then go into the World Cup, that that could be lethal. And my last thing, which we all we hate to talk about Spurs on this podcast, but we love to talk about them lose. So they uh, end up going to Crystal Palace, getting waxed by the old Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira and his his Eagles, which we love to see that. Love to see an old old legend having success, even if it is in the prim. Hopefully not against us, but we'll take it against Spurs all day long. They're without Sun in that, which is which is hard. I know. That being said, they haven't created very much going forward at all this year. I think they only have three goals. They let in three this week, so their goal differential is back down to zero. Um, I know you mentioned Kane as a fantasy captain and perhaps a a golden boot shout, but I don't see them creating creating enough chances for him to to be in that mix at the moment. Um, and actually, one of my other predictions was if Spurs continued to play not as stagnant as they do, but if they aren't creating enough, if he's not getting opportunities, he already wanted to leave this summer. He said it. I think there is potential that he tries to force force his way out in January in hopes that he gets onto a team that he can excel in and you know, get Maybe. himself into good form for the World Cup that's coming in, in I mean, winter. I mean, City isn't, or Spurs aren't in Champions League, so it won't cup tie him for that. So it would definitely be worth it still, especially for a Champions League. So, um, yeah, I, they you love to see them lose. And for Patrick to do it, and... I think he's got some. I got. I think he's got a decent, put together a decent little squad for Crystal Palace. Um, I think there's a lot of promising players there that could hope. I for his sake, hopefully they do some things in the Premier League and stay up. But yeah, their offense. I agree. I mean, that's how. That's how Nuno played at Wolves too. He was super conservative with his approach. He just wanted the defensive side and then to counter, and. Spurs were good, or Wolves were good at that for a while, but then that last season for him, last year, that Wolves were not doing that same, they did had no attacking threat, really. They lost Jimenez, which was a big problem, so maybe his system fits with Kane, but when was the last time Spurs really played a offensive style? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, they weren't doing that under Jose. Um, they're there's probably not a route for them to do that under Nuno. I mean, Pochettino sat in too, but I think he was to have them playing better soccer for sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that could be a reason why he leaves in the winter or pushes forward in the winter, but I, who knows? But yeah, that love to see them lose. I yeah, their attack is Definitely. strictly through Son and Kane. I mean, that's what it was last year. That's why they had the stats they had, but they were just doing it so effectively. Yeah, not having Son definitely hurts there, but 
back to Paulus, um, along with Vieira, I just always had a spot, soft spot for Zaha, just because he's always been trying to push for that move for Arsenal, so it was great to see him. He had a golden assist, actually. Um, and then they got Edouard as well, and I love that dude because I picked him up in FIFA last year, and he was just an absolute tank for me for about a month or so, so that was great to see also. Q almost picked up Edouard too. Didn't yeah, you, Q? sad news. I had Edouard in my FPL team on my wild card, and then I decided to go. I was like, yeah, I'll spend that money elsewhere, or I'll spend my money at striker. Picked up Antonio, thinking Edouard wasn't going to get the, get the start, which he didn't. But he comes in and scores two goals. Meanwhile, Antonio picks up a red. So that's an RIP. But. We'll, we'll continue. He might come in the squad next week. We'll see. But speaking of Spurs, how about we move on to our final segment, Weekly Wankers. You, you want to start us off? Who you got? I can start us off. So <laughs> my is- Weekly Wanker of the week this week stems from international break, and it is Timo Werner for his miraculous skying of a wide open chance from the six yard box. Um, so looking on footmob, the Obamiang goal had a 0.96 XG. And I think that it's only 0.96 and not a hundred percent simply because the people who made that were watching Timo Werner absolutely blow almost the exact same chance in the week it was it might be one of the worst misses in the world aside from that chupa moting where he stopped the ball on the goal line um yeah it, it, it's horrendous the obomiang one i understand that it's a it's got a bit less pace on it but he's not expecting that to come to him timo Werner is getting himself in a position to finish the ball and he's waiting for the cross and he still skies it so i mean yeah we're gonna call him i think timo chupa moting from now on that's how we will refer to him on this podcast. Congrats, Timo. You're my weekly wanker, and you'll probably be on here many more times. <laughs> Beckett, who you got for weekly wanker? Dude, I've got the television broadcast, okay? There were six games in the 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. Central Time time slot on Saturday for the Premier League. Six games. Eight games in total on Saturday. And then there's one game on Sunday. Like, what? Why? It, I mean, Europe starts this week, but you could have easily moved Arsenal-Norwich to Sunday or something and just put them on cable and or one of your networks instead of Peacock. We have Peacock, and that wouldn't be a problem, but Peacock can't seem to work, and I missed the first 15 minutes of the game. So, I mean, I just... TV broadcast in general. I hate that they get to dictate so much about when the games are played because I don't. I just don't even understand why you wouldn't want the exposure of having a couple of games on your network channels. Like you have six games at the exact same time. Let us watch a few more games, maybe. Okay. Question uh, on that. Granted, I've never been to England or to a pub could in be. England during the game, no. but does not not make for a good time whenever you've got, you know, six games going at the same time. You only have to spend two hours getting hammered instead of, you know, spending 
quite a few in a row watching games all day. I just, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of those, I mean, a lot of fans are going to games. So, and I think England has different rules when, like, on what games can be telecast or whatever, but at different time slots, I'm not exactly sure on them. But, I mean, come on. Like, I agree. Just... I'm with you. I won games all day so I can finish one and then just move straight to the next. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not opposed to moving to other leagues like on Sunday when there aren't Premier League games, but like, come on. <laughs> why would you just, why would you not? Why, why would you not want at least two games on Sunday? Get, get people on the platform. The scheduling is uh, one thing, but coming off the international break for just freaking no Arsenal to watch and then getting on Peacock and I can't even watch the first 15 minutes. I got to oh, go back and watch it after the game. Just like, that's just so dumb. <laughs> and we looked so good for the first 15 minutes too. And yeah. I know it was, I mean, I've watched it since, but I was like, what? Was, oh, I was so pissed. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, my weekly wanker though, um, at my place, we have multiple – Multiple TV rolling with all the different games on. Um, but mine's just going to be Tanganga for Tottenham. Getting the red card. Two yellows, five minutes apart. Um, I just love Zaha was so far in his head. Um, and this dude just completely lost his cool. So, I mean, he's my weekly wanker and contributed very much, though, to the 3-0 loss for Spurs. So, um, shout out to him. Those are the weekly wankers for the week, I guess. Can anyone who sabotages a Spurs performance be considered a wanker? <laughs> I mean, I almost want to give him a medal. Yeah. True. Uh, That's true. Weekly hero. Yeah, <laughs> hero for sure. Weekly wonder. Good. So I think that probably about does it for this this episode. That's your closeout. Am I just going to do the whole thing? Am I doing the whole thing? I mean, I just figured, yeah, one person was going to do the whole thing. Well, so I think that probably about does it for this episode, unless anyone has anything else to add. Um, It's been good. Hopefully it comes out all right. Um, Yeah, yeah. you've made it this far. Thank you guys for watching, and um, please make sure to follow all of our handles at AFC Bex for Beckett. Um, at Gunner with a V13 for Q, and then me at Goonergang underscore on Instagram. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll be, we be, we'll be back next week after a uh, positive performance at Burnley. And yeah, just be on the lookout on Goonergang for, for when we drop the episodes and send your questions into them as well so we can have a question segment where we talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. All right, yeah. and with that, we'll see you. Say, see you guys later. Bye. How'd you add that? See ya. You All don't right, even whatever. say but bye. Yeah, I would bro. agree. Sam. You're the worst. At, I'm just. We're just gonna. We just should not include Beckett in the last segment. Dude, I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be jarbled and like just keep going. That's why I'm trying to end it, dumbass. Goddamn. (laughs) You're the one jarbling shit by me saying it, and then you're like, and you just sit there.
I thought you were. I thought it was just gonna be one person. Close it out for the. I tried, time. and then you, all you have to do is say bye, and you're incapable. <laughs> I don't. That just feels weird to just say bye on a podcast. Bye. Bye.